It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. There is so much freaking virus news to get to. I mean, every 10 minutes, it seems, I see a story, a blog post, a tweet, a Facebook posting about something that's really interesting or troubling or, uh, you know, perplexing about the coming Omicron, what would you call it, wave, surge, whatever. Um, And it's kind of starting to remind me of the earliest days of the pandemic. I was saying this the other day, which is, remember it was off in China and it was like, oh, isn't it terrible in this place, Wuhan, a lot of people have it. And then, you know, first case discovered in the U.S. and then the hundredth case discovered in the U.S., but nobody really had any clue. And it was that one day, I will never forget this, when we suddenly found out that Tom Hanks and his wife had COVID-19. They were off filming in Australia or something, I don't quite remember. And that the NBA was going to shut down. And that's when it hit. It was within 12 hours, even six hours. And everybody went, holy S, this S is serious. Um, And even then, we had no conception that hundreds of thousands of Americans would wind up dying. Uh, And here we are almost two years later. And and it was about a week after that, that that's uh, colleges starting setting Kim's home and just, you know, all of society blew up and it was all new to us. Now here we are, we're sick of it. You're sick of hearing me talk about it. I'm sick of hearing myself talk about it, but I want to keep you up and I want to give you my take on the, the coverage and the way the politicians are handling and so forth. And just before I sat down at the mic, I said, oh, I got to mention this and I got to mention this, you know, making some notes. Of all the things out there, I thought the most telling moment, also kind of a really troubling one, has to do with this tour that Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly are doing. You know, back when O'Reilly worked for Fox, he had many interviews with Trump. Some were contentious, some not. Obviously, they had a friendly relationship. And here they are, in effect, both formers. Uh, O'Reilly, you know, still has his website and puts up some kind of premium podcast. And Donald Trump, you may recall, was the 45th president of the United States. But anyway, they decided to take their show on the road. There's been some snarky items written about how they're not selling out, uh, but they're certainly drawing some audiences. And at the latest one, it's called the History Tour. You know, you hear, oh, they're going to be in this city or that city. At the latest one, O'Reilly, who actually put this clip on his Twitter feed, if you want to look it up, he almost offhandedly said to Donald Trump, "Um, I just got my booster shot. How about you? And Trump said, yeah, I got mine. And part of the audience booed. There were boos in the hall because these two men, in order to protect themselves, had gotten the third shot. They They were getting the booster. A perfectly rational normal thing to do. And Trump kind of made a joke about it and said, oh, it's just a few people and so forth. You know, he handled it well. Um, But how did we get here? How did we get to the point where the presumably conservative audience, it wasn't everybody, it wasn't thunderous, but it certainly was uh, loud enough to hear on the video, thought we're giving a thumbs down to the fact that former president and the longtime commentator was saying, hey, we went out and got the boosters. That's now bad. It's something to be ashamed of. 
Like, I won't really get it. Now, they might have taken the opportunity to say, you know what, and you should all get boosters too because vaccines save lives. You know, President Trump on a number of occasions has said, yes, you know, he, I've said this 150 times, deserves credit for Operation Warp Speed. He's gotten only grudging credit from the media for developing those vaccines in near record time that nobody thought he could do. But then he didn't really go out and sell it. Remember when he got his shots uh, and closed his closing weeks as president, he didn't do it on camera the way lots of others did. Okay, it's up to him. Um, they could have seized the moment. But, you know, I, I don't want to blame them. They both said straightforwardly, yes, we have gotten our booster shots. Now, for those who think that, look, the polls show that it's conservatives and Republicans who are least likely to be vaccinated. Something like 90% of Democrats have gotten fully vaccinated, at least what we used to call fully vaccinated, which was the, the two shots. Um, and that the percentage of those on the right who haven't is, is much, 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 much higher. So how do I put this? If even Donald Trump gets booed, we're taking the perfectly rational, sensible step of trying to protect himself and his family by getting a booster shot. Only 30% of Americans, by the way, have gotten these booster shots since they've been available. And, and some of his own fans turn on him. It just shows you how embedded and twisted this has gotten. It's, it's, like, this, it's like the opposite of virtue signaling. Well, if you got this, you must be a bad person. You must be a dummy. You must be listening to the left. You must be in favor of those mandates. It just, it just blows me away. All right, let's get to number two. Ron DeSantis, Republican governor of Florida, who has campaigned, and not just campaigned, but, you know, taken steps in his state to um, invalidate any vaccine mandates. And the mandates is a whole other question. And I understand, you know, people who are rational and even pro-vax can have strong feelings about some form of government either the government directly forcing you to get it or forcing private businesses to force their employees to get it. So he was on Fox uh, with Maria Bartiromo. And she asked him, have you gotten your COVID-19 booster shot? Very straightforward. Have you gotten the booster? DeSantis. So uh, uh, I've done uh, whatever I did, the normal shot. And then he launched into this whole spiel about vaccines and mandates. Uh, his office had said he got a single dose of J&J &J in April. Uh, in October, the booster shots were approved. Um, I don't know. Why not just answer the question? Is it, does he lose face with his base if he says, yes, I went out and got the booster shot? It's a simple yes or no. If he didn't get it, he could have said so. So one assumes that he got it and didn't want to say so. Because somehow in conservative Republican politics, this is now seen as a liability. This is kind of a companion story to the Trump-O'Reilly business. All right, others who are popping up, you know, as is always the case, people have media platforms are getting a lot of attention. And this happened, again, going back to 2020 last year when suddenly we learned, you know, Chris Cuomo had gotten COVID. And that became a running thing on his then CNN show. And other, you know, somebody, George Stephanopoulos got it and somebody at Fox got it. So now uh, CNBC mad money guy, Jim Cramer, old friend of mine, announced yesterday that he has tested positive for COVID. 
He's isolating at home. He said on Squawk on the Street, I have COVID. I came down with COVID on Thursday night. He had been triple vaccinated, two shots of Moderna and a Moderna booster. Moderna just put out something saying, you know, it's booster shots offer great protection or will against the Omicron variant. I know exactly how I got it. He said I was at an event where you had to have a PCR test. I got it that night from someone who was tested that day. The problem is it works so fast you can't stop it. Uh, Kramer said his wife is sicker than uh, he is. She had J&J Moderna, he revealed. Uh, the good news is, he said he's not that sick. If you'd like to lessen the chance of getting very sick, I think you should get vaccinated. There's never a cold I've had that was as weak as this, ever. He also said, I feel terrible for those who've been sick, of course, for the families of people who've lost someone, but I do have, I believe, Omicron. And because I've been fortunate enough to be vaccinated, it has not really impacted me. And then he went on to say, oh, why is Wall Street, why is there a big sell-off on Wall Street, uh, stock market uh, kind of plummeting yesterday? His reaction to two things, um, Manchin sinking the Build Back Better bill, which we'll talk about in a moment, and uh, as well, uh, the fears of Omicron. Okay, let's go to the next one. Dan Bongino. Dan Bongino, uh, you know, now uh, uh, not just a regular on Fox, but a very popular radio host in the old Rush Limbaugh time slot. And he has been at odds with his radio employer about mandates. He says that he has said before that he's gotten the shot because he has pre-existing conditions, but he doesn't think that anybody there should be forced to. And there was even some question about whether he was going to leave the job or not. Well, he announced this to his radio audience. I'm done with this thing, like with the pandemic. I'm going to be smart about it. I'm not stupid. I'm going to stay away from sick people. If I get sick, I'll stay home. But you know what? I'm done with it like I'm done. I'm not going to just wait to die. I'm going to choose to embrace my life, to smile a little bit, and live if I get coronavirus, which I did. So he kind of backed into it. I wound up getting it about a month and a half ago. One month ago, maybe. I'm sorry. I lose track of time. You know what, folks? It was 24 to 36 hours of bad news. I didn't feel really good. Bongino went on to say, but I'm thinking to myself, has this happened? And now that I've got through it, I'm like, you know, was it really worth two years of fear? I mean, listen, I was afraid. I didn't want to get it. I had asthma. I had, you know, I had this cancer thing, uh, which I don't address too much, but I was afraid. I'm not going to tell you I wasn't afraid. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. I was afraid. I didn't want to catch Corona. I didn't want to die. I've got kids. And I thought, all right, even if there's a 0.001% chance, like that was a chance, you know, I was a little bit afraid. And then I got it, sucked for 24, 36 hours. And then I was better. And I'm like, was that really worth two years? I mean, of my life to worry about, was it worth two years? It's a risk reward calculus. And I think that puts it well. But I also think the fact that he was vaccinated means he got if not a mild case, a case that didn't send him to the hospital, a case that didn't put him in danger of dying. Now, of course, as more of these people come out, as in the case of Kramer, we're having more of these breakthrough infections. Um, nobody ever said, although it just seems with Omicron spreading like absolute wildfire, and part of the, you know, what I said and talked about on yesterday's podcast was, you know, boom, 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 you know, NFL games being dropped and the rules changing for the National Football League. Broadway shows shutting down, CNN sending most of his staff home. Uh, what else? Uh, some colleges uh, sending kids home early, Harvard saying, you know, no virtual learning for the month of January. And this reminds me, remember when colleges were like, well, we don't know, so we're going to set, we're going to look at it again in a month. And then it was another month. And then it was another month. 
And basically, for that whole spring semester in 2020, you know, nobody went back to campus. Most schools shut down or switched to virtual learning. And, and that's where we are now. Um, and I, I, I'm just, I feel like, on the one hand, I think the media have been all over the map on the coverage, sometimes whipping up fear, otherwise saying, don't worry, sometimes in the same publication. This is really bad. Yeah, but it's not so bad. It's bad for those who are vaccinated. Yeah, it may be kind of bad for people who are vaccinated. But the main thing is you don't want them to give it to anybody who's not vaccinated. Um, and the problem is the experts don't know. And then you got Anthony Fauci, and I've often defended Fauci against conservative criticism. I don't think it was helpful for him to go on television and say, uh, well, you know, we may just have to accept that we have to wear masks on airplanes for the rest of our lives. Now, maybe Fauci is right, and that would be a sad reality. Um, but, you know, I can remember, again, in the early days of the pandemic, you know, Fauci would say, well, you know, this, we could have as many as 100,000 cases. People, oh, the, the sky is falling. You're an alarmist. And, of course, we end up with much more than that. It, it does seem clear from the way this kind of doubles every day, as far as I can tell, that it's going to be a rough January, maybe February, that a lot of places are going to have to reinstitute a lot of um, restrictions. And um, that a lot of people are going to get it. And most of those, almost all of those who are vaccinated and get Omicron are probably going to have experiences not unlike Dan Bongino, not unlike Jim Cramer, not unlike others who were smart enough to protect themselves, even if they got a booster, uh, as, um, as some of them have. It's also quite evident, uh, as we see the numbers creep up, that if more people have not gotten vaccinated at all for whatever reason, I'm not making fun of them, I'm not sitting in judgment, I'm not attacking them. I just think that as this goes on and on and on, and it's clear that the vaccines are safe, if not miracle drugs, that it would be wise for them to protect themselves, their family, their friends, their neighbors, their colleagues. And that's where we are. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzmeter coming your way in just a moment. All right, let's get to number three. Joe Manchin, uh, you know, dropping that bomb with Brett Baer on Fox News Sunday. You know, I was on uh, the radio with Guy Benson uh, yesterday. He reminded me, he made this comparison, or he had made the comparison, that when John McCain walked onto the Senate floor uh, after midnight, he did that thumbs down that sunk the third attempt by President Trump to repeal Obamacare. He was hailed by the press as a hero, as a maverick, a guy who took on his own party for what he thought was right. Why? Because the press basically rooted for Obamacare, wanted that health care program to remain, and obviously it has remained, and it's not going anywhere given that it became more popular uh, once Republicans actually were in a position to perhaps abolish it. When Joe Manchin, except instead of going on the Senate floor, he does a Sunday interview, does the same thing, he gets attacked, and, and you're going to be hearing more and more of this. This guy, who does he think he is? One senator from West Virginia. It's a small state. What does he represent? Two million people? That's not even a fraction of the population of New York City alone. And he's sinking this thing, which so many Democrats want. And doesn't he care about children getting a tax credit? And doesn't he care about this? And doesn't he care about Medicare? And doesn't he care about climate change? And so forth. Look, maybe Manchin is wrong. But the fact is, you need 50 Senate votes. He's not undermining democracy. He's part of the democratic process. I've said many times, and I think the press is kind of shielding Joe Biden on this, for Biden to come out and propose a $3.5 trillion program after getting the infrastructure bill, he proposed it before, but even afterwards to push it hard, 
Now it's 1.75. Now it's zero because it ain't going anywhere, I think, for a long time. Um, it was a tremendous miscalculation. You got to get 50 votes. He was a senator for 36 years. He knows that. If you can't get it through your two most conservative or centrist members, Kirsten Cinema and Manchin, you ain't got a law. That's the way the system works. Now we can get into a whole separate conversation about the filibuster and all that. Um, so Manchin, you know, it was really something for the Biden White House, which has been courting Manchin, uh, to put out that statement approved by the president, issued by Jen Psaki, saying essentially that Joe Manchin had betrayed them, that he gave very little heads up through a staff person, that he wouldn't take White House calls, that they thought they had an agreement on the total number, and there were just some things to be worked out and could pass in a few weeks. And then he goes on and says, you know what, I'm done. I've done everything I can humanly do. I'm a no. This is a no. Well, now you got to expect that Manchin is going to have something to say about that because, you know, the worst thing in politics you could be accused of is not being a, a man of your word or a woman of your word, I should say. So he did an interview with the local radio guy in West Virginia. And Manchin said, um, they figured I, I figured they would come back strong. The bottom line is, why would I have said earlier when I was asked about the statement the president put out, and they said, what about this statement? The president was going to basically delay it because I've gone and talked to him. I knew we could, couldn't get there. He knew we couldn't get there. But says Manchin, you know, he says, I want to keep trying. I said, sure, go ahead. Keep trying, whatever you want to do. He made that statement. I said that was the president's statement. It wasn't my statement. I don't know. Uh, basically, I'm always, you know me, always willing to work and listen and try. I just got to the wit's end. And they know the real reason what happened. They won't tell you, and I'm not going to. Now everybody's thinking, oh, what was it, right? He said that this issue that he refused to describe in any kind of detail was staff-driven. So he's protecting Joe Biden. Manchin says, it's not the president, it's the staff. They drove some things and put some things out that were absolutely inexcusable. Now, was this the staff freelancing or, you know, being harsh with Senator Manchin? Or was this the staff doing uh, exactly what the president wanted them to do? We don't have any way of knowing, but it's so ticked off Manchin that, you know, with almost no heads up, he goes on Fox and drops the bomb, uh, killing this thing for months, if not forever. Also, he retaliated against Bernie. Bernie Sanders uh, went on CNN and, you know, said Manchin doesn't have the guts to stand up to the special interests. Uh, Manchin, I think Bernie yesterday on CNN said, I want Manchin, put it on the floor. I said, Bernie, please put it on the floor. Maybe it will sink in that we have to look at a different direction than this far-reaching social agenda of yours. So in other words, what Manchin is saying is, look, I'm just giving them a reality check for what the system would swallow. Uh, now, you can agree with Manchin, you cannot agree with Manchin, but just, you know, saying that he single-handedly is undoing the Biden agenda and sinking the Biden presidency, it's just not fair, you know? Politics is a game of addition, not subtraction. If you can't put up the numbers, if you can't get where, to where you need to be, then ultimately it's the failure of the president and the congressional leadership. You know, there are a million ways to... to work out compromises, all kinds of, you know, well, we'll have a commission study it, we'll zero it out after three years, you know, a lot of budgetary gimmicks that are used. Everybody knows this here inside the Beltway. They don't really pay for these bills, but they say, oh, we'll get the IRS to crack down and that will save one zillion dollars. And then it turns out it doesn't. 
so, you know, I think Manchin is raising decent objections. I do have the impression that he got a lot or almost everything he wanted. I mean, they cut the bill in half. They took out um, uh, free community college. They seem to have taken out other things that he objected to. I, you do get the impression that what would have gotten him to yes, but since we don't know what was said behind closed doors, it's clear now that both sides are pretty pissed off, and it's a good thing in a way that we're coming up on the Christmas break. All right, number four. I was uh, on Fox yesterday talking about Charlemagne the God and that train recommend interview with Kamala Harris. By the way, point of personal privilege, uh, that story was broken by my daughter, Judy Kurtz, columnist for the Hill newspaper, because she was allowed to listen in in real time to the taping of that interview with the vice president and therefore, I guess, was out first with the story. And let me see if I can just kind of put this in perspective. I, I had the impression that Kamala Harris thought she would have the home court advantage by dealing with a, a black host who's a radio guy and has a Comedy Central show, and they would just kind of have a nice cozy chat, and she would be able to get her points out and, and reach uh, the liberal base and the minority base. But, you know, Charlemagne the God, I mean, what in the heavens were they thinking? Uh, has described himself as being slightly obnoxious. He's been described as the Howard Stern of hip-hop. Uh, he's the guy who Joe Biden was talking to during the campaign when Biden made that blunder about, well, if you got to decide who to support, then you ain't black. Okay. And so Charlemagne got in her face. He gave her a hard time. He said, who's the president? Which Joe? Is it Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? Now, she's kind of clumsy in these situations. You know, a more deaf politician would have diffused that with some humor, you know, not gotten her back up, or seize the moment and say, well, let me tell you something. That's an unfair question, and here's why. She, she belatedly tried to do that, but then she kind of veered off into talking points, and the talking points were pennies. Joe Biden and I are fighting for child tax credit, which, by the way, would reduce black poverty. Okay, well, we had the child tax credit this past year. It reduces poverty for any family in certain income brackets who have kids, not just blacks, but she chose to make that point. And by the way, we're not getting the extension of the child tax credit because of the aforementioned Joe Manchin. But what happened is Harris's aide, Simone Sanders, who's going to be leaving the VP's office. Suddenly, as you watch Kamala Harris just sitting there saying nothing, you hear this off-camera voice, and she's saying, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the vice president can't hear you. And it was not true. Kamala Harris could perfect. It was like an old SNL skit where you're sticking your finger in the ear and saying, I'm sorry, uh, you're breaking up. I can't, I can't hear your question, you know, where you're doing it for laughs. And Harris is sitting there, and Simone Sanders is saying, she can't hear you, she can't hear you. Finally, Harris says, I can hear him. And then Simone Sanders says, yeah, we got to wrap. We got to wrap this up. I'm really sorry, Charlotte, we got to wrap. That What that projected was an image that uh, the vice president's own staff felt she was floundering and had to be rescued. So it came off looking like a very weak moment for him. She, she just sat there. She could have waved off her aide. And by the way, you'd be seeing, if this had happened to, with an aide to Mike Pence, be all over CNN, be all over MSNBC. It's not. It's viral just about everywhere else. And, and I remember years ago, when Colin Powell was Secretary of State and he was doing a remote interview with Tim Russell on Meet the Press, when Powell's press aide tried to wrap the interview early, 
And Powell just said, sit down. I'm finishing this interview. And that was a story for a week. But so she got the worst of both worlds. She didn't handle it well. She retreated to talking points, but she sat there and sat there rather than turning it into a, I paid for this microphone, Mr. Breen, Reagan-esque moment. It looked like the staff was pushing her around. And my further, my last point on this is this. Why in the world is she talking to Charlemagne the God? My God, why is she talking to him? He's a, he's a guy who does a lot of insults. He gets in people's faces. You know, good for him. Maybe he asks questions that journalists wouldn't ask. But Kamala Harris should be doing more interviews with journalists because she would do a better job of defining herself um, in the public mind where obviously, you know, she has a rough year. She's got some no-in assignments. The press is piling on. She's got a low approval rating. And she's barely out there. Now, what I don't know is, is the White House blocking her from doing more of these interviews? Why hasn't she been on any Sunday shows? She's the VP. She could handle it, right? Or is it that Joe Biden, who doesn't do many interviews, doesn't want her out there that much? Maybe they don't trust her. But if she did more interviews with journalists and became more practiced at hitting major league pitching, then an occasional whiff wouldn't draw so much national attention. When you do so few interviews, and then if you have a misstep, or a clumsy moment, or somebody gets in your face and you don't know how to bat the ball back, then that's what goes viral and that's what people remember about you. So I know I have a bias toward talking to journalists. I mean, I, I want that access because I think obviously if you're the president or you're the VPOTUS or you're the Senate majority leader or minority leader, you have some obligation. It's part of the job description to get out there and take questions from journalists, not because we're so cute or fuzzy or uh, charming, Often we're obnoxious too, but that's how you communicate with the public. But also it helps them. How many times have you heard me say, you know, Biden barely does these interviews. He hasn't talked to the major papers. Certainly hasn't talked to Fox. Uh, he's done a couple of CNN town halls. And then he does Jimmy Fallon where he's not driving the news agenda. And neither is his vice president. And that means there's a void there that is filled by the Republican side, by uh, prominent Republican uh, lawmakers and by very liberal lawmakers on the Democratic side. It's Bernie who's on CNN. It's AOC who uh, did an interview yesterday that got a lot of attention where she went after Manchin. President Biden and Vice President Harris could uh, set the terms of the debate. They might not win every debate. They could set the terms, but they don't because they have some sort of reticence about dealing with the media. So good for Charlemagne the God, not so good for the vice president. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzmeter coming your way in just a moment. All right, number five, Joe Biden getting a new puppy, Commander. What's with all the military names? Wasn't the other one major? Are people supposed to salute on the White House grounds when the dog goes by? I'm trying to change the subject here. By the way, if the sound sounds a little different, uh, I had to change venues to finish the podcast. The big Biden news, of course, is the speech today on Omicron. And he's announcing the federal government will be buying 500 million rapid tests to distribute free to the public, except uh, they won't really be available till January. You know, Three weeks ago, Biden gave a speech that we will leave no stone unturned. We're going to make an all-out effort to battle this after it was discovered in South Africa. But it didn't do much. For this late in the game, to not have a full complement of testing to the point where people can't just buy these at-home tests, can't go into the local 
pharmacy, the CVS or the Walgreens or whatever, or the supermarket and get tested is just an embarrassment and it's just a failure. This is not too little, but it is too late. Uh, now that we're in the middle of this surge, also in the speech, the president will talk about uh, getting about a thousand military medical professionals to help overburden hospitals. That's going to become the story, the strain on hospitals, uh, setting up new federal testing sites, and on and on and on. And this was uh, conveniently uh, leaked uh, last night by senior administration officials before the speech today. Meanwhile, uh, President Biden, uh, according to Jen Psaki, came into contact for about half an hour with a mid-level staff member who later tested positive for COVID. Obviously, they do everything they can to protect Biden. Uh, others on Air Force One who were in close contact with this particular staff member are being contacted. They will be tested. Fortunately, as far as we know now, Biden was tested um, on Sunday or over the weekend. And he's supposed to be tested again tomorrow. And he's had two tests. They were both negative. So maybe he got off easy this time. But meanwhile, Israel has banned uh, travel to the U.S. after a plane landed there from Miami. 10% of the people on that plane had Omicron. It's a total of 17 passengers. You can understand why Israel would want to close its borders. Meanwhile, it's every hour now we're finding out about new Omicron news and the impact on the country. Um, this is kind of going back to the top story, but, you know, it's that important and I'm going to have to stick with it because it is going to become the dominant story. The COVID Christmas is going to become the dominant story in the United States of America. The National Hockey League just announced it's taking a break. It's basically suspending its season starting tomorrow, a Wednesday, going through Saturday. No NHL games. Um, in an effort because a lot of, you know, they've had to cancel other games and a lot of players testing positive. This is a problem for the NFL. It's going to be a problem for the NBA. Uh, and we'll see how much more of the hockey season can get in. Maybe this is just, you know, an effort to uh, reset. I don't know if it'll work. Larry Hogan, the Republican governor of Maryland, testing pov positive for COVID. He is a cancer survivor. Really hope he's well. So far, he says the symptoms are mild. Now, you know, so what we're seeing now, and I mentioned earlier when I talked about the Jim Cramer and others, are a lot of these breakthrough infections, infections even for people who've had the first two shots and the booster. Fortunately, the infections are mild. Unfortunately, then these people are now in a position uh, to spread it elsewhere. New York State's new health commissioner testing positive for COVID. D.C.'s mayor, Muriel Bowser, announcing that starting this morning, Mask mandates are back. She had lifted it some weeks ago, and this affects me because I work in the Washington Bureau, and it would be nice to have a little respite uh, because everywhere you walk, when you're, if I'm not in my personal office, got to put on the mask, take it off, put it on to go to the bathroom. You know, look, it's a small price to pay. I'm not complaining. And I knew this was coming. There was just no way with these surging numbers that we were not going to see the mask mandate come back in the District of Columbia. Some of the surrounding suburbs, like Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, kept the mask mandate or reinstated it. D.C. was holding out, but I guess the mayor decided uh, she could no longer hold that line. And if you work for Fox News in New York City, starting in the beginning of the year, so that's what, you know, less than about 10 days from now, uh, you can no longer come into any office uh, or be in contact with any Fox personnel unless you are vaccinated. Uh, Fox had had a rule where you either had to get vaccinated or be subjected to daily testing. This is a pretty stringent rule. 
But it's not necessarily an individual's decision by Fox. It's what Bill de Blasio did a couple of weeks ago, taking effect on the December 27th. And remember, I said at the time, this was kind of crazy because there's only four days then left in his term, and the new mayor, Eric Adams, may come in and reverse it. But now, maybe he won't come in and reverse it, given the um, rising numbers that didn't seem quite so intimidating just uh, a couple of weeks ago, really. This thing is moving so fast. Now, I've seen some headlines like, even Fox is doing this. You know what? Fox has had a very enlightened policy on this. Uh, more than 90% of the people who work at Fox News Media are vaccinated. And though, and everybody was either, again, required to be vaccinated to give their vaccination status to the company. And uh, if not vaccinated for whatever reason, to undergo this daily testing, not weekly. Well, now in New York City, because of the change rules, that will vanish as well. And, you know, people lose sight of the fact because of a couple of, you know, vaccine skeptical voices on Fox, prominent ones. People lose sight of the fact that all of these uh, hosts and anchors, you know, me included, have talked up the importance of getting vaccinated. Neil Cavuto, fully vaccinated, got the vaccine, came on my show, talked about how that saved his life. Uh, people like Harris Faulkner and John Roberts and others making a uh, public service announcement urging people to get vaccinated. So it really just plays into this uh, stereotype, oh, Fox is against vaccines. It's not true at all. It's not true in practice. It's not true in terms of what most of the people who work there have had to say. And, you know, certainly when the law changes and whatever city Fox does business in, obviously Fox has to obey the law as well. Um, I'm happy to say that this should not be controversial. I know mandates are controversial. I get it. I think there's a fair debate there as opposed to this debate about, you know, do vaccines have microchips? Are vaccines bad for you? Uh, why did Donald Trump, as I said at the top, get booed? When he and Bill O'Reilly said they got vaccinated, they should have gotten cheered. He should go out and talk more about it. People should pay that clip on a lot of networks. Because if you're a big fan of Donald Trump, but you're hesitant to the vaccine, your president, the 45th president, just got a booster shot. Not a bad idea. And with that, I thank you for listening. You can subscribe just about any place to our podcast here. Apple iTunes is a pretty good place. We'll see you tomorrow with more BuzzBeater. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.